Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is maybe not the biggest Marvel fan I know, but thus is a very big Marvel fan, and his name, as always, is Brandon Siegel. I I, I would hope I am the biggest Marvel fan uh, that you know. I, I consider myself an enormous Marvel fan. Um, seen all the movies. Shout out to my friends Aaron and Chad, as I've shouted them out multiple times. We have a full list. We, we are that dedicated where we have a full entire list. Um, and bringing in our other member of the podcast, our favorite contributor, who just finished all the Marvel movies, um, is Ben O'Brien. Ben, you have a nice new mic today, too. We are all on nice mics now. Yes, I, yeah. I would say our production value for this podcast has uh, increased significantly since we started a year and a couple months ago. Yes, we, we're... we're we're very high up now in, in the world. We all have beautiful mics. Um, and it's looking great. Ben, what was your favorite Marvel movie? You just finished all the Marvel movies. What was your, your favorite one that you watched? All right. Or, like, even if it wasn't your number one, just what's, like, one that you, like, didn't expect you liked and you liked yes. or something like so that? So, personally, my favorite Marvel movie is Civil War. And the reason I love Civil War is because it's not an Avengers movie, but at the same time, it is an Avengers movie. And it has all the important uh, characters that you could imagine. And as, you, as we talked mm-hmm. about off the podcast, it has probably the second best fight scene in the whole uh, cinematic universe, fantastic. I love Civil War. I love the whole concept of the movie. I love the idea of Tony Stark and uh, Steve Rogers going head to head. Fantastic. I, I I love the movie so much. It's fantastic. Yes, and we actually have one member of the podcast who hasn't seen all the Marvel movies <laughs> and should be doing that soon, and that is Trevor. Trevor, you need to watch all of them very very. Yeah, soon. you know oh. it's strange because you guys are both big Marvel fans, especially you, Brandon, and then like some of my best friends from home. Shout out to Devin, Landon, and Jaden are all huge Marvel fans. And they always, like, talk in, you know, our group text or whatever it is about Marvel movies. And I'm just sitting mm-hmm. there the whole time. And you guys were doing it before the podcast as well, talking about Marvel movies. And I'm just like, I really don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, I'm just going to sit here and listen. I did watch Black Panther, um, which was an amazing movie, I thought. But there's definitely a lot of Marvel movies that I haven't seen. So maybe I will have to go through and uh, try to watch all of them. Yes, that's a that's a must watch. You got to do that as soon as possible. But let's let's get into our episode today because we we have a great one planned. Um, we're gonna start off. We we got the last of the last dance. We got the end episode nine and ten, uh, and it was, I liked these episodes. I liked all the episodes. I mean, it was it was such a great documentary. Uh, Trevor, what what are your kind of your final thoughts before we kind of really dive into these last two episodes? Yeah, so I guess final thoughts. I mean, it's I guess the continuation of seeing um, Michael Jordan and how. You know, he uses any little slight. Again, that is my favorite thing about Michael Jordan, I think, how he, you know, can kind of create his own sort of motivation, um, real or manufactured. So I love that about that, I guess. And then we're going to get into it, but the the whole flu game pizza story, really just um, in, yes. in, insane, and I definitely have a lot of questions about that. So that was a big takeaway for me. Yeah, let's let's just get right into it. Let's, let's get right into that, because I think collectively we all have a lot to say on that. We saw in episode nine, we saw Jordan talk about the flu game. It wasn't actually the flu game. It was food poison, uh, food poisoning game, uh, where he ate a whole pizza the night before a game around, did he, was it midnight or 10, 10 p.m.? It was, it was late, that's for sure. So, it, was, it was late night, um, and it was just him and his trainer and, you know, his best friend, his, uh, you know, his friend, longtime friend. Um, so he ate a whole pizza by himself um, and supposedly said, you know, what he said is that he got food poisoning and that's what happened. So, uh, here's my question, Ben. I'm gonna throw it to you. Do you believe this? I'm. I'm not. I. I believe that he was truly sick, and it, I. I think it's pretty clear that he was miserable. I, I. What I will say is, I don't think he was as miserable as he wanted us to think he was. I. 
I think, and we've talked about this mm-hmm. like before the podcast, but Michael Jordan knows what he's doing. He's kind of like LeBron. He knows what he's doing. Um, he knows what he wants his perception of, of himself to be in the public. He knows what he wants uh, pe- how pe- like people to view him. So I think he was sick. The whole pizza thing I think is a little bit ridiculous. I don't, I don't buy that. First of all, I don't buy that he ate the whole pizza himself because that's weird, first of all, like, especially for Michael Jordan. You're telling me that not. Hold on, hold on, Ben. Are you trying to say? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you trying to say eating a whole pizza is weird? Because I have personally, Ben, I've seen you do that exact yes, action. Yes, I'm not saying that's weird at all. I encourage that, but I'm saying if you're Michael Jordan the <laughs> night before a finals game, that's a little iffy to me. You're telling me I you're agree. telling me not one of the four other people that were with him or however many people didn't have one slice of the pizza. Come on. I mean, Michael Jordan himself is Jew. We know that, but I feel like he would maybe share the pizza a little bit. I, I, what I find is interesting is why is why is a professional athlete who wants to be the absolute best. Like the absolute best, and will do anything to get there. I mean, he is considerably one of the meaner players you could have ever played with. I mean, people called him a bully, but because he wanted to win so bad. And I'm, I'm not saying that that's a horrible mindset in you know in that sense. But what I'm saying is, you're telling me someone with that nature doesn't care about their nutrition. And Ben, you made a great point before the podcast. It's not like this was the 50s or 60s. You know, this is a time where nutrition was still a thing. And you're eating a whole pizza the night before a game? I don't know. I don't, that's what I don't buy. That's what's so fishy to me is that, I mean, I, I mean, maybe he had the pizza, maybe, but I just find it so doubtful that Michael Jordan had a whole entire pizza before one of the biggest games of his life. I don't know, Trevor, what, what, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so it's, it's, hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard to even know where to start, but I think, like, you guys hit the whole, or, or you just talked about the whole nutrition aspect where... It seems crazy that Michael Jordan, the best player in the NBA at the time, by far, in an NBA fi- before an NBA Finals game, would have to get a pizza from a, a pizza chain and not have some kind of meal prep or not have some kind of plan already like instituted. I mean, Tim Grover's there with him, his trainer. Um, he has his friend George Kohler with him there. Like these guys should have had like a meal prep for him, and then. Beyond that, they said that uh, mm-hmm. Tim Grover, I think, said he called for the pizza. He ordered the pizza from Michael Jordan. And then four to five, I think five people showed up at his door. Now, there was a guy, um, I think, like, one of the guys who was working there came out and um, refuted some of these claims. His name is, uh, let's see, I don't know if his name is listed here. Cra- wait, Craig Fight is his name. He's um, apparently he worked for that that chain in in Utah, and he refutes the claims. He said that there was two of the people, or there was two of them working at the pizza place. So, and that also, that kind of lines up, because to me, if you have a pizza place that's open late at night, you're not going to have five people working there. You're just not. You don't need five people working there. There's not going to be a lot of people ordering pizzas. So two people sounds more accurate to me. I would think two or three max, not four or five. That sounds fishy to me. Then also, how would they have known... It was Michael Jordan. Like, how would they have known it was Michael Jordan there? How would they have known that the Bulls were staying at mm-hmm. that specific and hotel? It's just really strange. I, I feel like you could definitely figure out what hotel a team is staying at. I don't yeah, think I guess, I guess that that's true. I think what's really, really wild is thinking, oh, it was Michael Jordan there? How could you possibly know Michael? And also, there's no way. He's been in the league for some years. There's no way he didn't hide a little bit or, you know, just go in, like, the other room or go behind a wall. While his buddy was going to get the pizza, there's no way he's just standing there while his buddy went and got the pizza, and there's a ton of guys looking in, like, oh my god, that's Michael Jordan. I mean, there's no way they could have possibly known it was Michael Jordan there. Maybe they know the Bulls are in there. You know, that's very possible. 
I, I mean, I, I know people, you know, sit outside of hotels all the time uh, at away, uh, for away teams, you know, go talk to the players or, you know, whatever it is. But, I mean, there's just no way that three pizza guys know exactly where Michael Jordan is staying in the hotel and that Michael Jordan ordered a whole pizza for himself. Best player in the world. I don't know, just so much of it was so fishy to me, and it just didn't make a lot of sense. So... Do you guys have any thoughts on what he, what it, uh, actually happened? Like, do you have any, like, crazy conspiracy theories or any just thoughts that maybe you think it happened a, a different way? I, I'll say this. I'll say this. I, I don't believe the pizza thing. Um, I would guess that uh, there was some sort of partying of sorts involved. Uh, not saying, you know, he went out or anything. I, don't, I mean, he could have stayed in there or something. I don't buy the pizza thing specifically. That's fishy to me. Just the pizza thing. So I don't know if I can throw out a whole conspiracy saying this or that. I don't want to, you know, put that out there. Put that negative energy out there. But I, I think it's possible something else was happening. Uh, and that, you know, M Michael didn't allow us to see, you know, that's... I don't know. What do you think, Ben? I agree with you. I I don't buy the whole pizza thing. Um, clearly, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that they ordered pizza that people like pizza or pizza delivery people were excited to see him or whatever that could that could have happened we, we're not ever we're never going to know that what i don't buy is the whole idea that he got sick from this pizza and clearly i mean i'm sure he was probably playing poker the night before him he probably stayed up late he was sick of some sorts that's clear but to the extent of how sick he was we're never going to know clearly how sick he was i mean he he knows what he's doing like i said earlier he knows what he's doing he knows the story that is going to come out of this if he plays fantastically and he's not feeling well he knows what how the media is going to soak that in. He knows how it's going to impact his legacy. Like like I said, him and LeBron, they're very similar. They know what they're doing. They're not stupid. They know they especially Michael Jordan at this point in his career, he's been in the league for what, 15 years at this point, something like that. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to navigate mm -hmm. this life of fame. So, I'm not buying and, yeah, and the whole we talked about sure, how yeah. the, this whole thing is essentially a commercial for Michael Jordan. So, he clearly, I mean, this this story is Obviously, put in the way to make him look like the bat or make him look like the the uh, victim in this situation, and he prevailed and he had this amazing game, which he did. I'm not hating on his radiance; he's fantastic. But to the extent of what happened, I don't I don't believe that it was necessarily exactly how they portrayed it to be. Right. So so quickly because we've been on this obviously for a while now, this pizza thing, and it's really interesting. But I think I do kind of agree with you guys. I think there was definitely a pizza involved, but I think it's like a game of telephone. Um, the first person that tells the next person, like the story has make, maybe it's the same. And then as you get further down the line, it changes and it becomes more and more different. So I think like, I think there were just exaggerations. I think there were two people like, uh, the guy from the pizza store probably said, and then I think they exaggerated aspects to it. Maybe he ate most of the pizza. Um, maybe it wasn't that, like, I don't think the pizza was poisoned by the, the people in Utah or anything. I just think it might have been a bad pizza. I think Michael was probably also maybe drinking or he's maybe doing other stuff that also, like, you know, maybe there was some kind of, um, when you combine all those things, it makes him sick. Like, that's kind of what I think it is. I think it's an exaggeration amongst Tim Grover, amongst Michael, and then there's a combination of things that led up to him being sick. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. But before we get, we have one more thing we want to talk about the the, you know the the Last Dance documentary. Do you guys think, you know, Michael kind of put the documentary in a way that he wanted people to see him? Trevor, I'll let you start. What what do you think? Yes. So I think pretty much any um documentary that's fate uh, that's focused on like one player, and this was really more about the Bulls, but it seemed like it was it was definitely 
more towards Michael than the Bulls. And I think any time a documentary is uh, like going to be focusing on this one person, they kind of have the leverage in the situation because at any point during the interviewing, during like where they're leading up to making this documentary, he could say, no, I don't want that included. And he could get mad and he could say, nope, this documentary, um, nope, I, I don't want it to go through. This isn't happening. And then we have no, we have no last dance. We don't have it at all. So I think definitely the directors have to be careful and they have to cater some things to Michael Jordan. Just like, for example, we never really saw Michael's family included. Like we, like his ex-wife wasn't really in the documentary at all. We never saw anything based on his family, probably because he didn't want it in the documentary. So yes, I think this was catered to Michael Jordan. Um, and this doesn't um, have any influence on how much I love the documentary. Like I still love it. I still don't care that it's um, catering towards Michael Jordan because we see so, all of this behind-the-scenes footage. But I don't think it should hold any stake in like, people arguing what actually happened because there clearly are some gray areas as far as what the truth really was, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree with almost everything you said there. That, that He definitely influenced what went out, I think. Um, especially since we see like Horace Grant and Scottie Pippen coming out saying they don't like how the documentary portrayed... Uh, them and they think that it wasn't 100% accurate. I'm not saying that, that they're necessarily right, but it's surprising that two, you know, kind of bigger players like that went out and said big statements, uh, kind of against the podcast. Uh, and I, I just find that kind of interesting uh, to hear. And again, you know, like every documentary, I mean, I'm sure you know, the directors have all the control of what is going to be shown. You know, I mean, if we look at Tiger King, that went, you know, did really, really well. There's a ton of people that came out saying that it wasn't 100% true, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, Jordan influenced a little bit. And I think you make a great point about he has the control. And, again, that in no way takes away how much I love this documentary. It probably is my favorite documentary ever. I loved it. Um, but it is interesting to see kind of Jordan having this, uh, being a little sensitive uh, to what he wants released and kind of his, his own image. And it seems like collectively we see multiple times how he gets very hurt by when people say stuff. And it drives him, which is an amazing trait that basically everyone in the world doesn't possess. But it is interesting to see how he reacts when people say things about him. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of seems like he wants to enhance his personality, enhance how he looks to people. Because, um, I mean, most people kind of would, would think that Jordan is not this, you know, very nice guy. And I, I would probably agree with that. I mean, he doesn't take pictures of people. There's really no videos of him anywhere. He doesn't do interviews, nothing like that anymore. So I, I think it's, it's interesting to see, you know, uh, kind of this side of Jordan and, you know, get that, you know, big interview and kind of seeing how he reacts, which is it's very different than how I would think, like, LeBron would act today um, if he did a documentary or something like that. Ben, what do you think? I mean, I think you guys hit, hit it pretty well. I, I mean, it's so clearly about Michael Jordan. It was called The Last Dance, but, I mean, even in our podcast notes, Trevor wrote Jordan Doc, Episodes 9 and Yeah, I, I mean, people are referring to it as the MJ <laughs> documentary. It's so clearly about him, and then there's just kind of these, you fill in the gaps of the rest of the team. Um, I mean, it is and it is a really good story. I mean, how many, how often do you see it where, where uh, a GM goes, yeah, I don't care how good you guys do this, how well you guys do this year. This is the last year. Like, it, it's just, it's a really good story. And it, I, you learned a lot about Michael Jordan, and I, I learned a bunch about Michael Jordan. I didn't, I knew a lot about him, yeah, but not awesome. nearly as much as what I learned so much about him. And like you said, Brandon, it, it really does show he possesses this mentality where he takes everything so personally. And as an athlete, obviously, he it does. worked out fantastically for him because he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. But it just it bothers me sometimes how personally he'll take things, and it just got it got very repetitive to me. Where he was like, "Oh, so and so stared at me. I took that personally," and I was kind of like rolling my mm -hmm. eyes, like, "Come on!" And clearly, I don't possess that trait, and that's why I am not Michael Jordan. But 
it's just, I mean, it, it was a really good, I loved it. It was awesome, but it's just, there was a lot of things about Michael Jordan that kind of bothered me just personally, which, I mean, hey, you're doing a 10-part documentary about yourself. Clearly, people are not going to like everything about you. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to hate on him because he's amazing. But um, just in general, it was, it was really good. I loved the whole thing with Steve Kerr. It was fantastic. The whole team was, the team was awesome, full of a lot of characters. Phil Jackson's a fantastic coach. I really enjoyed the whole thing. Yeah, it was great. I, we could talk about the Jordan doc for kind of just forever, so we'll move on. We had some more points here, but we're, we're way over on the amount of time. We probably should have talked about that. So let's let's kind of go to our next thing, a separate NBA topic. Um, but, you know, people are starting to say, it used to say, you know, Vegas was going to be the option to restart the NBA, but now it's seeming more like Disney. And I want to point out, on this podcast, I have said that I thought Disney was the better option, and then it seemed like it was going to go towards Vegas, so we talked about Vegas. But it seems like right now they're going to be starting up at Disney, possibly in July. Um, Trevor, what do you think about this idea? I mean, it's really to be determined. I mean, it's we're still hearing more and more about it, so I'm really it's I'm kind of just in like wait and see mode. Um, I, I'm definitely more optimistic than I was when we started talking about this about a month ago. Um, I was more pessimistic, but now we're starting to see the players. Obviously, they have more urgency to getting back. And it seems like the NBA now, they're in exploratory conversations with the Walt Disney Company um, to play mm-hmm. the rest of the season in playoffs in Disney World, which if, if they get it together and they uh, make it work, then that would be awesome. I'm, I'm really starting to, uh, I wouldn't say I'm getting excited yet, but I'm starting to, I'm seeing a little flashes of like, man, the NBA might actually come back. I'm starting to get my hopes up a little bit and um that's a great thing. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it seems like they're going to start recalling players to their markets around June 1st. It seems like that's what teams are expecting. And hopefully they'll have a plan out in the next uh, two or three weeks for how they're going to resume this. Yeah, like I said uh, you know, a couple months ago, I thought Disney was, was the best option uh, for the NBA. And it seems like it's going to end up working. It seems like the NBA has taken a good route and being patient. Uh, and kind of seeing how you know the virus determines what is going to happen, which is the right way to think about it. Um, and I, I think it will happen. We were definitely super pessimistic pessimistic about this uh, a month and a half ago, and I think we were rightfully so. Um, but it seems like now you know we're getting some good news in the NBA, and it seems like it will be able to be played, um, you know, at the moment, which is which is great news. We we all want to see the NBA come back, and I, I know collectively on this podcast, all three of us can speak that we can't wait for that to happen. Um, but I, it seems like it's going to happen. We just got to kind of be patient here. Ben, any final thoughts on the uh, the potential of uh, Disney hosting the NBA? I mean, obviously Disney's a really good spot to have it just because you have a whole resort to yourself if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you guys said, I'm just I'm so ready. Just I want this season to, to continue. I'm so ready for this. I love the NBA playoffs. They're mm-hmm. my favorite playoffs to watch. They're fantastic. Um, I'm just I'm growing impatient. I know it's a slow process, and you should take it slow because this is serious stuff. But I'm so ready just to get started. I just I want them to keep moving forward, and I'm I just I'm losing patience. I'm I'm dying to see LeBron play again. I'm I'm having withdrawal from watching LeBron play live basketball. So <laughs> I need to see some NBA soon. It's gonna be sad when the greatest player of all time calls it quits because then you know we're gonna have withdrawals for quite a long time without seeing. Him. Yeah, Tom Brady. You know. <laughs> no, I don't care. That'll, about Tom that'll Brady be a LeBron sad day. Games. That'll be a sad day. <laughs> that'll be one of the greatest days. I can't wait for that day. But let's let's move on. We'll, we'll talk about Tom Brady potentially later. Well, not potentially. We definitely will. We're going to move on to Small Talk Trivia to end uh, today's Small Talk. Um, Trevor, you have a winning streak written down. What, what is that about? Ooh. Is someone on a winning streak? I don't know. That's, that's you know, 
I, I might get my winning streak back with this uh, this set of questions <laughs> here today. So what? Uh, I'll go first today. But what what is the uh, current scoreboard? Are we tied or am I up? I think we we're are tied. tied as twenty three twenty three. All right, so it's it's a close game. Ben, what do you what do you think about the past couple of weeks? It's it's been good weeks for me. You've made quite a comeback. I think it helps that you got four uh, points in one. Uh one sitting trevor was very generous there but you've and to be fair you've given him many opportunities to get more than one point in a week so i'm glad that it is i'm glad that it is fair because trevor was embarrassing you for a long time so i'm glad that we're back to even a little bit makes it a little bit more competitive yeah no that that is for sure it's 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 a great game we have right now um okay so let's start this off trevor so i have another nba question for you today um and i i think you're gonna get this so uh, i'm only offering one point today but the answer is two separate players so what two players led the league con- for the most consecutive seasons leading the league in field goals made? So there's two players that are tied at a certain number. So uh, what two players have led the league in consecutive seasons in field goals made? In, in, uh, in, in NBA history. I'll give you the number. Okay. It was – I'm not going to give you the number, but it was, it was more, than, more than two. It, it's, it's multiple. Like it's the, the most consecutive seasons that uh, a player has led the league in field goals made. And they've, they've done it a good number of times, both players. Okay, so this is in NBA history, and you're saying that there are two players that have the same amount of like consecutive seasons where yes. they led yes. and field goals made? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes. there's two players tied in first place, or like for most consecutive. So I don't know specifically yes. how many seasons because you didn't tell me, but it could be three, four. I really don't know, but... um. Field yes. goals made. You have, a, you have the idea correct. Okay, so... Most consecutive seasons leading the league in field goals made, and there are two players. Right. So, if we just think about the players who have averaged the most points in NBA history, those got, those players would be like Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron. I mean, those are some of the top names. As far as like field goals, as far as points now, field goals made, um, the three pointer has become obviously more popular lately. So that makes it less likely that it could be someone like well, it, it, it's not Steph Curry. I could tell you that because he only had one season where he scored a lot. But um, if I think just like recently, outside of so Wilt and Michael Jordan are great options. Those are potential guys that could be. Then you have recently James Harden has had some really um, fantastic scoring seasons, but it wouldn't be necessarily as many as Wilt or MJ or even Kareem, I think, um, because they both probably had a decent amount. Like, I'm sure throughout, like, the late 80s, early 90s, that MJ had at least three or four, I would say, where he led the league in field goals made. And then Wilt probably had a lot... Um, or at least like two, three, four in like the early sixties, like earlier in his career. So earlier in both of their careers, MJ Wilt, they both had to have had at least a few. Now I don't really know how many Kareem had. I mean I'm sure he had throughout the seventies some really good scoring years. I don't think LeBron's one of them because I think that there are definitely other players like Kevin Durant, for example, who could have had more field goals made, James Harden lately, who could have had more field goals made. So I don't think LeBron's one of the guys. I'm leaning towards like a MJ, Wilt, Kareem, like two of those three guys. Maybe even Harden, but I don't think it's Harden. I think it's probably two of those three guys. Well, so here's another question: Do you know who has made the most field goals in their career? 
in their career. Um, I would assume it's mm-hmm. it's Kareem. It's 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 probably got to be. Um, he has the most points of all time. I'd be surprised if it was anyone other than him. So, but I don't I don't have that in front of me. I was right, that, right. I it, it's probably that for that. It's probably Kareem. But now the most consecutive seasons where they would have done it is the tough part. Wow, I'm trying to think who else could have had more than M- I think MJ's got to be one. I think he's got to be one of them. The question is, is Wilt or Kareem the other guy I'm going to say? Submitting- are you submitting? Are you submitting uh, Michael Jordan, the second best player of all time, as an, as an answer? <laughs> Not yet. I'm I'm still thinking through it. I don't want to take too much longer. Okay. I've already talked through a lot of it. Um, but I am going to go with. You know what? I'll go Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Those are my two answers. Is that the final yes. answer? Was this a guess or what? What, what, what do you think? I here? I think it. I, th- I mean, it probably has to be two of those three. I mean, it's just the question of, is it Wilt or Kareem or MJ? I think it's two of those three, but, All right. you know. So we have the final answer is MJ and Kareem. Uh, and I will say it is two of those three. That is, that is true. Um, however, you did not guess two oh, of those my. three correctly. You guessed one of those three correctly in Michael Jordan, um, but the other player is Wilt. They are wow. tied with seven um, from 1960 to 1966. And Michael Jordan was 87 to 93. Obviously, he took a break in between, but he consecutively did lead um, in those Dang. seasons. So, yeah, that was a. I was so close. I was. I, you should go back to guessing. You should still I go back so, to guessing. I was so, so Trevor, close. What is your, what is your question today? And I know you said it's going to be a difficult. Okay, one. so I did write winning streak in the memo by accident. I did not mean to do that. I wrote it in the note in our group note and on uh, my notebook I have in front of me. So that was by mistake. It is involving a winning streak. Now, I said earlier, I didn't say earlier, but the, we're going to talk about the 2004 NFL season here as our main topic. So, the New England Patriots have the longest NFL win streak in NFL history of 21 games. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was during the 2003-2004 mm-hmm. season. The Steelers ended that winning streak um, on Halloween in 2004. So, my question is, who is the team with the second longest winning streak? And I will give you an opportunity for two points today. One point for getting the correct NFL team with the second longest winning streak and an additional point for the year when they, or the season. If you get the year or the season, um, then that will be a second point potentially. So, okay, so so you're saying the longest winning streak is held by the, the Patriots? Yeah, and my question is, they have 21, 21 game winning streak. So who is the team with the second um, longest winning streak. So I actually thought the Colts had the longest winning streak. They do not. I thought they had the longest one. I thought the Patriots were too. But so the Patriots have twenty one, and they're as their their longest winning streak. Yes. You're asking me who has the second. Um, okay, there's no way I'm going to know the year. I will say that. There's just, there's absolutely no, no way, um, that I will be able to, to know. I would say the, I mean, it's, it's gotta be the, I thought the Colts had won, so I thought it was them. Um, it also could be, simply put, that it could be the Patriots, um, again. Um... Honestly, I, I think it might be the Patriots again. I think the Patriots have, have the top two. However, I, I do I really did think that the Colts I thought the Colts were number one. 
Is this just? Is this just? Uh, is this like all games? Like what you were season eight? Yes. Any any games? Yep. Okay. I I think the Patriots could potentially be two also. So I I'll, I don't know. That's my guess. I have no clue, truthfully. Um, but I I'll go with Patriots. I think that they have the one and two. I think they're the top two. All right. So you went with the Patriots. Um, it's either the Patriots or Colts, I think. So the Patriots hold the record with 21-game winning streak. Now, the Patriots also have a winning streak of 18 games. However, there is a team with 19 straight, and that is the Green Bay Packers in the 2010-2011 season. Ooh. They won the Super Bowl and All then right. continue that winning streak into the next season. All right, all right. Hey, I see that. I see that. All right. So we uh, we both took an hour on the questions. We were both still tied. The winning streak is over on my part. Um, but we will uh, we will kind of continue on forward to our next segment, which we have a good one today, don't we, Trevor? Yeah, we do. Ben came up with this one today. Great idea from Ben. Yes, this is a Ben came up with this idea, um, and it, the uh, the idea is a good one. I I think this might cause a little bit of debate. But uh, we all like movies, right? We've been talking about movies a lot recently, but we're going to talk about movies in a little bit of a different aspect today. We're going to do our favorite Pixar movies. Top three Pixar movies. So, Ben, we haven't heard f- from you in a while. I want you to, you know, work that new mic in. What are your top three favorite Pixar movies? Yeah, so this is tough because there are so many good Pixar movies. I mean, pretty much every movie that comes out that's a Pixar movie is a good one. Um, but I'm number three, I'm going to start with number three. It is... Uh, Finding Nemo. I love Finding Nemo. Uh, I think it's a really good story. It's got some really good quotable lines in it, like fish are friends, not food. Uh, Very memorable. It's got a really good cast. So Finding Nemo is my number three. My number two is The Incredibles. I think The Incredibles is the story itself is really good. The the whole idea of them being the super family is awesome. Um, I, I just think it's really good. I don't think it's as good as my number one, though, however. My number one. I love this movie very much. It's very near and dear to my heart. My sister used to, when she was very little, she used to watch this movie every morning and every night before she would go to bed. So I can quote pretty much this entire movie, and that is Cars. Seems excessive. I love Cars. I think Cars is awesome. Uh, Similar to the other two, it's got a really good cast, some really good voices in it. The story itself is awesome. I just, I love the whole idea of uh, the race car, the aspect. And ever since I've seen the movie, you can never like you can't look at a car like a car in real life now and not and not see the face in like the front bumper of it, <laughs> just from this movie. So I I think Cars is probably, in my opinion, the best Pixar movie. That's a that's a good list. So, Trevor, I went first with the uh, the questions. So you can you can go next here, um, and see if we you have any hot takes. I can smell a hot take coming your way. Um, I don't know. We'll. we'll... We'll, we'll see about that. But I, I had a hard time because some of these movies I hadn't seen in a while and some of them I had uh, conversely seen in the past year. So comparing ones I had seen more recently to ones I hadn't seen in, you know, three, five years, obviously it's very difficult. But I'm going to start off with my number three movie, and that is Toy Story, the, the first Toy Story. Now, when I was looking through different rankings and looking at critics, I found it interesting that Rotten Tomatoes just, like, loves Toy Story, like... They, like, all four Toy Story movies are, like, in their top seven. I I don't always look at, like, what critics' opinions are because a lot of the times their opinions are are pretty different than mine, but I, I did a little bit. So Toy Story is my number three. 
And Toy Story has some other good movies as well, but I do think the original is the best. Obviously, there's the nostalgia factor. Um, just growing up, uh, you know, as a kid, watching Toy Story. So I put it at number three. Now, number two, I went with Finding Nemo. Um, another movie where the sequel is is very good as well, Finding Dory. However, I don't think it compares to quite to Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo is just, for the reasons Ben said, such a great movie. And number one, I'm actually surprised that Ben, you put this movie here, because I agree. I think Cars is the best Pixar movie. Um, I just love this movie when it first came out. I think I went and watched this at the drive-in, I want to say. Um, and I love this movie. It kind of feels like a sport to me. So in that way, it makes me love it more. And there's just, yeah, a lot of great things about Cars. So that's my number one. So I had a tough time doing this. I, I, I was... I was struggling, kind of figuring out what I wanted to do where. Because I think there's so many great Pixar movies. So I have two honorable mentions. Essentially, I have a top five. My honorable mentions are Finding Nemo and Monsters, Inc. Uh, I heard some stuff earlier about your monsters between the two movies. You guys both had a hot take about them that I think is horrible. Uh, I love Monsters, Inc. It's a great movie. It's definitely better than the second one. Uh, Finding Nemo, uh, another fabulous movie. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres is amazing in the movie. Um... So, I, I love Finding Nemo. Number three, here is my hot take. I have Incredibles 2. I actually like it better than the first one. I love the first one. First one's great, but I think Incredibles 2 might be better than the first one. I, I genuinely believe that. I, I really, really enjoy uh, Incredibles 2. So, then my number one and two, I, I really, there's, I don't even, really, they're tied, but if I had to put one and two, here's why I decided to do it. Number two, I put Cars. Uh, I agree with you guys. Cars is so amazing. Uh, if I do, don't hate the take at all that it's number one. I really, really enjoy it. But with my number one, I decided to go with Toy Story. Uh, and I think Toy Story is kind of a classic Pixar movie when you think of Pixar movies, so that's why it had to be number one. But really, Ben, you, you told me there was a lot of debate. What was the debate that you had with your your friends? So the debate was I had, I've always looked at Cars as my favorite, and a lot of them, they would get mad at me because they were saying that Toy Story is better, and I like Toy Story, but it's not in my top three. I'd probably put it at four or five. It's definitely not, I don't think it's better than either of the, uh, or any of the three that I put. And then the other debate, like you mentioned, like Trevor and I were saying, that I had a hot take was that I think Monsters University is better than Monsters, Inc., and I strongly believe that, and I will stand by that um, till the day that I die. This died. is a bad take. Yeah. So that was, that, was, that was a very large debate that we had the other day about that. As far as the this is a bad take. As far as the Monsters Inc. Monsters University thing, I'm not gonna put my flag for either one of them because I'd have to go back and see uh, Monsters Inc. So I'm not sure. I'm not. I think it's really close because University was really good, but I'd have to go back and watch both of them to really see which one I think's better. So there's our there's our top three. Well, I guess for some of us, top five Pixar movies. If you have any ideas for Randall Rank, please tweet at us at Small World Pod. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, and we appreciate uh, when you guys do give us ideas and support. So moving along to our main topic today, Trevor, I'm going to let you introduce the topic because we're going we're gonna to do multiple of these. So kind of introduce the, the generic topic. Um, I, I don't think we'll go into, you know, an enormous amount of detail that I see, you know, feel it out, see, see, you know, if people like it. But I think it'll be a fun topic. So Trevor, why don't you introduce our main topic for today? Right. So um, basically we're going to talk about the whole entire 2004 NFL season. And I kind of came up with this idea because I was thinking about, like, when did I really start watching sports? What were, what were my first memories from sports? And I would say my first sports memories were probably, like, from this season, this 2004 NFL season. I was, like, six years old during it. And this is when I really started getting into football. 
And I think we're going to do this with the NBA as well. Um, maybe go just keep going like chronologically up through the seasons. We'll see how it goes. But this is truly um, a great season, obviously, because I'm a Patriots fan. So, of course, I think that. But just because thinking of my first memories and just going back and looking at some of the, the playoff games and different things that happened this season, it was really interesting. So we're going to take you through that. And then I think also, and this is kind of like a minor point to it, but we're also going to be throughout the process um, going back and seeing if the best team truly won. So there are um, sometimes like flukes or sometimes because of certain plays that happens or injuries, the best team doesn't always win. So we're going to, you know, kind of talk about that as like a minor detail um, in the season as well. Yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting topic. So let's let's kind of start this off, Trevor. Where do you want to start off here? Yeah, so I think um, it's it's interesting because you have you're coming in. You have um, obviously the draft where you have these uh, these rookie quarterbacks. You have Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning. You have Philip Rivers. These three different quarterbacks that are all coming in the league now that are all toward the end of their careers. Eli Manning has just retired recently. Obviously, and we, we see that Ben and Phillip Rivers are near the end of their careers as well. So you have that coming in this season. You have the defending champions, the New England Patriots. Can they become a dynasty? That was a huge storyline. And then you just had, like, other great players. You know, you had an, an amazing Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I obviously do not—I despise the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they had a phenomenal defense. And then you had Peyton Manning with his awesome MVP season. So I think those are the biggest storylines. So I guess just really we could start off with— um. Peyton Manning and just how great he was this year. He had 49 touchdowns, mm-hmm. I think 10 interceptions, I believe, one MVP. So, I mean, what do you guys think about this season from Peyton Manning? Obviously, he had another great season in 2013. Do you think this was his best season, or do you think that he had another better season, I guess? 49 touchdowns, that's a lot of touchdowns. That's a lot of touchdowns. His pass rate was over 121. Uh, I think this was his best season. I, I truly do. I, I think just... I, I mean, obviously they didn't win, but um, and they 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 New England kind of killed them, um, in the playoffs. But I don't know. It, this was a great season for Peyton Manning. Forty nine touchdowns is really just a lot of touchdowns. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? I, it's tough. I obviously this would be what his what was he drafted ninety eight, so like his fifth or sixth year in the NFL. So this was clearly odd. Like he was in his prime at this point. But I don't know the year that he. What was the year he? The year he broke was it 2013 where he had like yes. 55 touchdowns. He broke Tom Brady's record. Yeah, 55. I think that. I think that might. I think that might have been his best season. From what I can remember, he was just absolutely amazing that whole season. I remember because I love Tom Brady, and I remember when he was getting closer to that record, and, he, and then he passed it, and I was so upset because I was like, no, like I, I was. I remember when Tom Brady got that record, I was so happy. So I, I disagree with Brandon. I think 2013 was probably his best season. One thing I want to mention before we, we go more into Peyton Manning, just I'm looking at the divisions and the final records for the AFC and NFC. The AFC was so much better than the NFC this year. I mean, if you can just count how many teams went, had more nine or more wins. In the NFC, there was one, two, three, four teams that had over nine wins. In the AFC, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams over nine wins. Nine wins and over, I should say which is incredibly impressive. That's a lot of great teams in the AFC. So I think credit to the Patriots this year in coming out. And you also had two teams, one, the Patriots being 14-2 and two and the Steelers being 15-1. and one. So you had two teams with insanely good records uh, coming out of the AFC. 
um, which is really interesting. So Trevor, what do you what do you think about the the Manning thing? I just want to mention that one quick thing. Yeah, so it's it's really tough to say because the stats are so comparable. I mean, uh, in twenty thirteen, he had fifty five touchdowns and ten interceptions. Two thousand four, as I mentioned, forty nine touchdowns, ten interceptions. So similar. Um, you know, I think the passing yards were pretty similar. He had he did have more in two thousand thirteen. The completion percentage was very similar. You know, when you look at other things like QBR and stuff like that, I know those stats are flawed, but all pretty similar. The you know the record he'd won more win in twenty thirteen. So it's it's hard to say. I mean, they truly had a really high powered offense in twenty thirteen, but it wasn't too bad in you know two thousand four either. So it's it's really tough to say. I I I really don't know honestly which one I think is the better season, but. You know, Manning was phenomenal this year. He was great both those years. Uh, some would even say better than Brady. Just as a quarterback. Nobody says that. Uh, I mean, this year, this year <sighs> maybe. This particular year, I wouldn't, I don't necessarily know if I'd argue that. So how did Brady do this year, Trevor? How was because I mean they went fourteen and two. I mean he surely could not have been bad, and they scored an insane amount of points, four hundred thirty-seven. Not quite the you know the Colts five twenty-two. Um, but five, 437 is a lot of points in a season. Yeah, so Brady was he was decent. He wasn't really no, nowhere near his best, I think, in this season. He had uh, 28 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, I believe. And, you know, this is really, like, I kind of put it this way. His first three Super Bowls, they had these phenomenal defenses, and, and he's really um, doing a great job of not making mistakes and also making big plays when they need to be played, when they need to be made. And he's really stepping up in these huge moments. And then by, like, 2006, I think he really, like, hit this stride and became this great quarterback who didn't necessarily need these, you know, top three, top five defenses anymore, as we saw in 2007. I mean, they still had a good defense, but uh, really Brady was just on another level. And then we've seen the 2010s really win in some of these teams, not the greatest defenses, and Brady still gets to the team to the AFC Championship or even the Super Bowl. So I think... Really, he wasn't at his best in some of these earlier years, um, but he definitely grows. But, he, you know, again, I mean, he didn't throw a lot of interceptions in these big playoff games. He was really having his biggest, best uh, games in the biggest moments. Mm-hmm. So why don't, why don't we get let's, – let's get to the playoffs here, Trevor. Uh, and what game would you like to talk about first in the playoffs? Yeah, so I think, like, in the AFC divisional round, I believe it was – um, when the Steelers played the Jets. Now, this game, I didn't remember um, this game at all, and this was really interesting because the Jets should have won this game. This, I mean, the Steelers, they were 15-1. They had this amazing defense like Joey Porter, Troy Polamalu, all these guys that were just so great at rushing, uh, getting to the quarterback and great in coverage. And But you have this rookie quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who has a really good regular season, but then when it gets to playoff time, He's making some mistakes. I mean, he threw some just horrible interceptions. He threw one, I think, in like the first couple minutes of this game against the Jets. And uh, the Jets, who, I mean, they had an all right team this year, but they weren't like, they weren't supposed to really have a shot at being the Steelers. The Steelers were supposed to kind of take care of them pretty easily, and they didn't. Um, the Steelers only beat them by a field goal, 20-17, to in overtime. And that was only after two missed field goals by the Jets' kicker that could have uh, put the Jets into the AFC Championship game. So the Jets definitely uh, blew that one twice. Um, Their kicker did, at least. So that was really interesting to see um, from that game. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting to see the, I mean, the the Jets led by Chad Pennington, who really had a pretty awful game. 
Um, it seemed like this was a decently defensive uh, game overall. Uh, and even Roethlisberger didn't have a great game. It was definitely not one of his best in his rookie season where he won Rookie of the Year. Um, so this was definitely an interesting game to look at um, and kind of see uh, moving forward um, throughout these playoffs. And as much as I hate the Steelers, it's interesting to see them kind of overcome this. If you look at the two coaches of the teams, it's interesting to see where they are today. You have Bill Cowher and Herm Edwards. I don't know, Ben, what did you think about this game? Um, I mean, obviously, I don't remember a whole lot about this game. A big thing that stood out to me, not only in this game, but in the whole playoffs, was Ben Roethlisberger was a rookie this year, as Trevor said, and he was really yeah. he was really good. And, I mean, obviously, the next year he becomes, at that point, and yeah, at that point, because I don't think it's anymore, the uh, youngest quarterback to win the Super Bowl ever. I think it's Patrick Mahomes now. Uh, maybe not, but it was Ben Roethlisberger the next year. But the, his rookie year, I mean, he he did not look like a rookie to me at all. He, he looked like he knew what he was doing. Um, his team had the best defense in the NFL. What many people thought was the best defense in the NFL. NFL. Um, and it's just it is crazy to me that the Jets could have won that game with with the quarterback that they had. Are you kidding me? Like it's just funny to look back now and like think about that. Um, I, I wish that Jets would have won, but they didn't. And honestly, I don't really care because the Patriots ended up winning, so it worked out. Um, but yeah, my, I mean, like I said, my big takeaway was Ben Roethlisberger did not look like a rookie at all. Maybe that was just. Um, we we should we should have looked at that and saw that he was going to end up being a really good NFL quarterback because he has he's he's had a really good NFL career and it's kind of funny looking back now because I mean he's really like last year was hurt all year and I don't I don't know what's going to happen in his future but um, it's just crazy to look at how, first of all he's had a really long career too I mean he this was what 14 years ago I mean it's a quarterback so it's mm -hmm. not super impressive but I mean the way he's built and the hits that he takes he's had a really impressive NFL career just dating back yeah. to 2004 amount of injuries he's had yeah. Truthfully, any longevity in the NFL is impressive to me. Even no matter what the position is, whether it's kicker to running back, it doesn't matter. I think any sort of longevity is super big. But let's let's move to the championship games and let's go to the AFC championship game, uh, where we had the Steelers Patriots showdown, um, which they only combined for what like three losses during the season. Yep. Um. So and they actually played earlier in the season, where the Steelers won pretty. I, I think they won, um, by a decent amount, if I remember correctly. Um, it, it could have been closer than I thought, but I'm not 100% sure. And we see Brady have a pretty good game here. Um, you know, he, he's uh, 14 for 21, 207 yards, two touchdowns in this game. You see Dion Branch have an insane game, having two touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving. But Trevor, what are, what are your what were you what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so leading up to this game, as we mentioned, uh, the Steelers they do survive against the Jets, and now they get to play the Patriots on their home field, who just beat the Colts and really stifled that uh, high-powered offense. Of the Colts beat them 20 to 3 in Foxborough, and then this is setting up this big matchup: the Patriots and the Steelers. Can the Steelers end this um, this run that the Patriots are on? They're trying to become this dynasty, and they have—I mean—they have the best record in the league, you know. And they also beat the Patriots earlier in the season, and in that regular season game, the Patriots actually started off with like just a horrible start. You know, Joey Porter he forces a fumble in the regular season game on Tom Brady. And you have, you know, just other plays. They start off on a huge lead, and they end up winning that game 34-20. to And this game was kind of um, the same thing, but uh, the roles were reversed because the Patriots started off with an amazing game. Again, Ben Roethlisberger, he was really good in the regular season, but in the playoffs, that kind of switched. I mean, he really... Um, and, and Ben, as you mentioned, he didn't really look like a rookie. I think during the regular season that was true, but once it got the playoff time... It was a little shaky at times, and he had an early interception in this game against the Patriots. On like his third or fourth throw, I think, um, he threw an interception very early in this game. 
um, that set up the Patriots to take an early lead. They actually had, a, I think it was a 24-3 to lead at halftime, and they really just didn't look back. I mean, Tom Brady was great. He didn't make a lot of mistakes. He had no interceptions, two touchdowns. Threw a laser down the field of Deion Branch. I mean, Deion Branch didn't have a lot of receptions this game, but he still had over 100 yards. I mean, it was insane, Deion Branch. And uh, watching some of these Patriots games reminded me how much I loved Deion Branch um, at the time. He was just such a great receiver, very versatile. He could, you know, go on the slot. He could catch screen passes. You can even maybe hand it off to him on like a wheel uh, or give it to him on a wheel route or something like that and throw downfield. So he was just phenomenal. He was so good in this game. And really, I think this was the first game that really um, showed that, you know, the Patriots, as we kind of seen in the last 15 years, kind of dominate the Steelers. You know, sorry, Steelers fans, but the Patriots have dominated the Steelers. No, we're not sorry, Steelers uh, fans. No one cares about the Steelers The last fans. 15 years. I don't feel bad. Yeah, no, I I agree. This was this was an interesting game. I, I think this was really the game that started, you know, the Patriots being the Patriots. Obviously, they were great this whole season, but beating the 15-1 and Steelers with the defense, I mean, that defense was so great that year. Um, the Steelers defense, that's the only compliment I'll ever give any of you know, that garbage organization. So let's move on to the NFC Championship. We have the Falcons-Eagles. Uh, Eagles win 27-10, to 10, uh, go to the uh, the Super Bowl. Um, ben, I don't know if you have have the stats up in front of you. What, what are you thinking about this game? So I don't, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about this game, but the first thing I think of is you have an awesome showdown between quarterbacks, and you have Donovan McNabb and yeah. you have Michael Vick. Um, and what was – This was a I bad game for Vick. I don't have it up, but what was the final score? 27 to yep. 10. Oh yeah, so my, so Michael Vick clearly did not play well and that I'm not I no, that so that not. that uh Falcons team went 11 and 5 that year. I don't want to like if there's any Falcons fans listening, I don't want to like upset anybody. I don't know anything about this team, but I can assume that Michael Vick was probably a very large aspect in that offense and that team as a, as a whole. So yeah, it really shows that they they uh shut down Michael Vick and really it seemed like they didn't have any answer for the uh Eagles who I mean, Donovan McNabb, especially that year, he was fantastic. I, I remember watching – I was watching highlights earlier this morning from the uh, from the Super Bowl, and he was – his ability to, to escape the pocket and escape pressure was so fantastic. And actually, people might get mad at me for making this comparison, but looking at quarterbacks today, it actually, I, I can – it reminds me of Sam Darnold a little bit in his stature and the way that he's – like, ability to escape pressure and kind of, uh, like, scramble and make plays out of nothing – from what I saw in Donovan McNabb, I felt like I was watching Sam Darnold a little bit. So, um, Donovan McNabb was really good. They had Trello, and so I'm sure we will get into a little bit. Um, but, I mean, obviously I don't know anything about this game. But from what I can tell, it seemed like you shut down Michael Vick with that Falcons team, and you can win the game. Yeah, and it, this was uh, this was not a good game for Vick. 11 for 24, 136 yards, no touchdowns, and interception, and four sacks. His quarterback rating was below 50, so this was not a good game. Trevor, any final thoughts on the NFC Championship before we head over to the Super Bowl? Yeah, so Michael Vick was really good this year. Not necessarily the greatest passing, but running, obviously, we know the threat he was. Um, he had some of, I th- honestly, like, I think Michael Vick had some of his best seasons throwing the ball with the Eagles. Like, in 2010, he had that phenomenal season throwing the ball, but he was such a threat to run. I mean, he had pass as well, just like the versatility of having a player who can do both things. And in um, the previous game for Atlanta, they played St. Louis, and they put up 47 points where Vic was phenomenal. The whole offense was um, great. And then you have the next game. They only scored 10 points, and I was watching back um, some of this game, and I can't tell you how many times um, the Eagles got like this great pressure on Michael Vick. I mean, it's it really just 
honestly kind of seemed like Atlanta just had like one offensive lineman missing or something. Like it was crazy how many times like the Eagles and they had like a really good defensive line. I think under an underrated defense that the Eagles had. They had like Jeremiah Trotter, who was this good defensive lineman. And so many great players on the Eagles defense that were able to get pressure on Michael Vick. You know, he was out of the pocket so many times. He was like trying to dance around and avoid contact. And he really couldn't because there was like, you know, Michael Vick's good at like juking players and, and making moves. But there were like four guys surrounding him at all the times. And that's really why Atlanta couldn't score more than 10 points because that Eagles defense was just suffocating um, in that NFC championship. And McNabb was really good. Um, T.O. was actually out for this game. He had an injury late in the regular season against Dallas um, he, where he suff- suffered a broken leg and a torn ligament in his ankle, which we will um, talk about in the Super Bowl because he plays in the Super Bowl, which is insane. Um, but he did not play in this game. Philly still, I mean, they were the best team in the NFC pretty much the whole season, and uh, they beat Atlanta convincingly here. So let's, let's talk about Terrell Owens because he does play in the Super Bowl. And we'll get you with this good transition to the Super Bowl. And he was insanely great in the Super Bowl. Nine catches for 122 yards. And the Super Bowl, I, I think, was a really interesting one. Uh, you see Brady, um, it wasn't his greatest game, but it was a good game. He, he had a good game. And it, it was kind of relying on a lot of other players. You know, Deion Branch having a great game in the defense. The, 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 the Patriots defense, this had to have been one of their best defenses. I mean, Teddy Bruschi, Mike Rabel, Richard Seymour, Willie McGinnis, Rodney Harrison. They had so many great players. Um... On uh on their defense, so Trevor, uh, break break down the Super Bowl for me a little bit here. Yeah, so uh, in this Super Bowl, I believe that the Patriots were like a slight favorite. I think they were favored in one line. I looked at like by seven points or something. They ended up winning by. Th- it was seven. Yeah, the Vegas line was seven. Yeah, that's what I saw. But early on, the Eagles actually were getting the best of the Patriots a lot. Their defense was playing really well, and they had the early lead. Um. Now, Donovan McNabb, actually, he he had a fumble that was forced, but it ended up being reversed because his knee was down, which could have been huge, but um, his knee was down before he fumbled it, so they ended up reversing the call. Um, and then later in the uh, the second half, or the first half, the Eagles would end up getting that first touchdown. Um, and the Eagles, I don't think they were necessarily known for their running game that much, but Brian Westbrook actually did a pretty good job in this game, I thought. And the Eagles were really known more for their their passing game. But I thought he was pretty good in this game. Um, I think one thing that really stood out about how the Patriots played was, you know, their secondary. I think was really, actually, because Ty Law, who um, was in the secondary for the Patriots, he was actually out for this game. He was injured for most of the season. He was a veteran who had obviously played on the first two championship teams. And he was probably maybe the best defensive player on that 0-1 team. But now you have other guys stepping yeah, up. He's a great player. Like Rodney Harrison, Amasante Samuel, who at the time was really young. Um, he might have been a rookie that year even. And then they had other guys. I think they had another rookie, uh, Randall Gay, who stepped in and did a pretty good job overall for Ty Law. And the secondary was really good. Um, the Patriots did a really good job of getting some pressure on McNabb. Um, and honestly, it really seemed like this was just going to be a, a really like grinded-out defensive game. you know. And it was going to seem like whoever had the yeah. better running game would determine it. Um, and, I mean, ultimately, I think both running, both teams did a good job. Um, and I think really the the biggest reason why the Patriots won, ultimately, like, McNabb made some pretty bad mistakes. He had three interceptions in this game. While he did have some really good throws, um, he also had some really uh, huge mistakes that ultimately cost the Eagles. And I think they had some opportunities where they could have got 
you know, maybe a two touchdown lead in the first half, and they really didn't capitalize that on that. And then the Patriots ended up, you know, um, with their ground game combined with, you know, Brady going play action. And, you know, they were able, the Patriots were able to kind of take over the game a little bit in the second half. So here's where we get to our main question the, 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 the question of the whole topic. Did the best team win the Super Bowl this year? Ben, let's start off with you. Did the best team win? So when I first started thinking about this, my first thought was, no, I thought the Steelers were the best team in the NFL this season. But the more I look at it, and especially when you look at the way the Patriots played the Steelers, I think the Patriots were the best team in the NFL this year. Um, I I wrote down a couple notes about the Patriots just as I was uh, doing some research for this. The first was their offensive line. First of all, their offensive line was fantastic, and obviously the Patriots have been known for having good offensive line. Tom Brady has always, for the most part, had, had good offensive line where he has time to uh, stay in the pocket, look at his receivers, stuff like that. But I looked up collectively between the five of them, they only had 13 years of NFL experience. That's That means, on average, each player had about two and a half years of NFL experience before this season. So they had a really young core offensive line, which I thought was really impressive considering how well they played. Um, another thing I put in all caps was Deion Branch. Obviously, Deion Branch was amazing. He won the Super Bowl MVP, and you don't see that very often from a receiver. Um, another big thing I noticed was, I mean, and this is no secret, Adam Vinatieri was amazing. You get inside the 50-yard line with Adam Vinatieri, and it's it's pretty uh, common that he's going to make it. So to have a kicker like that, to rely on a kicker like that is so useful, and I think it, a lot of times it, it gets overlooked of how beneficial it can be to have a kicker like that. I mean, you're a Ravens mm-hmm. fan, Bra- uh, Brandon. Look at what's-his-face, Justin Tucker. Dude's fantastic. You get inside the 50 with him, and that's three points automatic. So, um, oh, He's not just fantastic. He's the greatest kicker of all time. Yeah, but continue whatever. So, just I mean, just having a, an X-factor like that on a team, obviously it worked out because he won them two Super Bowls. So um, that was another big thing I had for that. And then another one was – Bengals fans don't like this, but Corey Dillon on this team was really good. Corey Dillon was a really good running back for this Patriots team. Um, in the Super Bowl, I mean, he had 18 carries for 75 yards, touchdown, nothing special, four yards a carry. Um, but he was just, on for the season as a whole, he was a really good uh, running back for them to, to complement Tom Brady as a quarterback. So the more I think about it, I, I do. I think, I think the Patriots were the best team. I think the best team did win the Super Bowl. If you include the regular season and the playoffs, I think the Patriots were the best team as a whole. So, Ben, your analyst, I think, is spot on. I, I actually had a very similar analyst. Here's the thing. I physically, just like myself, I can never explain to someone or tell someone that the, the Steelers were the best team in any given year. I'm just not able to do it, even if they were. Okay. However, I actually really agree with you. I, I, the more I looked at it, I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. The Steelers were pretty good that year. Um, you know, they seemed good. But the Patriots really just seemed to be the best team. I, I think collectively, if you were to look at you know, the, the regular season stats, the Patriots had the second most points and the second fewest uh, points allowed, um, where other teams had, you know, varying amounts. I think collectively, that team was the best team. The, the, the uh, lone loss the Steelers had during the regular season, of course, was to the Ravens, because they can't beat the Ravens twice in a year. So, in my opinion, I, I agree with you. I, I think, sadly, it's decided between my two least favorite teams, but I do really think the Patriots had the best team this year as a whole. The offense and defense is collectively was very, very solid. Trevor, final thoughts, final uh, opinion on who is the who is the best team this year? Yeah, the the Super Bowl got it right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and real quick, because I, I I forgot to talk about this, but uh, Terrell Owens, who again he was out until the Super Bowl, he was questionable for the Super Bowl, and early in the first quarter, um, Pam Oliver, the sideline reporter, came on and talked about how 
Tara Owens had a chiropractor and a massage therapist um, that flied in from Atlanta to help, you know, with, with healing as well as he had a hyperbaric chamber sent to him that apparently um, he slept in overnight at one point because he believed in the healing effects. So, um, you know, some, some crazy stuff um, there as far as Terrell Owens and himself and getting ready for this game. And I think this is just one of the um, craziest instances we have ever seen of a player who comes back from an injury way before it seems like they should. I mean, Terrell Owens, he got injured like five or six weeks, like six six weeks before this, something like that. And somehow a broken leg, torn ligament in his ankle and is able to come back and have nine receptions for 122 yards. That's just insane to me. Um, and McNabb is really good in this game. And also Philly's defense. I mean, Philly's really an underrated team in this um, in this season. But I do think the Patriots were the best team. I mean, you look at uh, throughout the regular season, the playoffs, you know, there's so many different teams that I can think about that are always so good. They're really good in the regular season, but then they kind of drop the ball in the playoffs. I think this was one instance where Pittsburgh kind of fit that mold. We've seen that in the NBA. Um, we've seen that in the NFL throughout the years. And I think that's how it was because of Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, I think the defense was amazing for Pittsburgh. They had the best defense in the NFL this year. But when you have a rookie quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, it's going to be tough to win the Super Bowl because, you know, he's going to be, you're always going to be worried that he's going to make a lot of mistakes. I mean, in the AFC Championship, there was one point in the broadcast where they were talking about, you know what, if he makes another b- bad throw or he throws an interception, they might have to bring out Tommy Maddox, a backup quarterback, which you would never hear about. I mean, they would never say that about the Patriots. They would never say that about the F- Philly and Donovan McNabb, but they said it about uh, Ben because he was a rookie at the time. So, yes, the Patriots were the best team this year. This is one of the best Patriots teams I think we've seen in uh, throughout their whole run in the 21st century. Defense was great. The offense was really good. Just an overall well-rounded team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Philly was really good as well. I think I might lean towards them being as actually the second-best team over Pittsburgh. But, yeah, the Patriots were the best team this year. It was definitely an interesting year for football. I think as, a, as an unbiased fan, it would have been an enjoyable year to watch. But... With that being said, I think that is going to conclude our episode for today. Thank you all so much for listening. We just hit 3,000 downloads, which is super, super insane. So thank you, everyone who's supported um, the podcast. We're definitely going to keep on bringing out content. And we have a lot of stuff in the works, so it'll be it'll be neat when we get to announce some more stuff um, that we're going to be doing on the podcast. Please subscribe, comment, leave a like, uh, and a review. A five-star review would be awesome. Or just tweet at us, at Pod. We love to hear um, your opinions, as I said earlier in the podcast. Um, But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Go Falcons!